Good morning and welcome to our Friday morning chapel here at Bethany Lutheran College. We are so pleased to have so many guests with us today for Choral Fest. So welcome to all of you. Uh, the service is laid out for us, as you see in the bulletin. I'd like to thank two people that were missed in the bulletin, and that are our, our student organists, uh, Caleb and Jake, who played prelude and will play postlude. So thanks to them as well. Um, our, your, the theme of your conference here is um, Proclaim the Wonders from the hymn that we have before us today, and our service will be built around that hymn. Please join me then in the psalmody as we speak it together responsively. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. be seated for our reading. 
This week we have been celebrating All Saints Week, and today we hear the story of the martyrdom of Stephen, taken from Acts of the Apostles, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 54, will also serve as the basis for our sermon today. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at Stephen with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Thanks be to God. My good A number of years ago, down in the town of Springfield, Missouri, there was a man who was in his 60s who had worked at a local zoo. He was one of the top keepers of the zoo, a studied zoologist, and um, uh, had gotten a degree in that and specialized in taking care of elephants. He especially had a passion for elephants. And recently, there had been an elephant that had died at their zoo, and so the others in the herd reacted to this and were not, were not keeping up with things that would have kept them to be healthy. So almost they felt like a sadness that went through the herd of elephants. 
And so Mr. Bradford one day was guiding one of these elephants out into a pasture where it could go and get some fresh air and better things to eat and carefully guiding this elephant along and suddenly for some reason the elephant became angry with him and started swinging her head and smashed him into a wall and those that witnessed it said he died within two seconds. How sad to think that somebody who had dedicated his life to caring for these creatures and had studied and done all of this, his whole purpose in life was to take care of this special type of animal and yet that very creature ends up killing him. Think about Stephen for a second. Stephen was a pastor of the early church in Jerusalem and had dedicated his life now to teaching and preaching God's word to people so that they could get out of their sins and out of their graves someday to be able to go to heaven. The one, the one man that you probably would care about the most to listen to and to hear this precious word of God and Yet, the very people that he has come to preach to, and this is following a sermon about that very Savior he was directing them to, the very people that he comes to preach to turn on him and crush him to death with stones. What a horrible type of death. I just always thought, what, was, what would Stephen's wife and maybe children have thought about this as they had to go bury their dad? Here's, here's this man who's dedicated his life to promoting and teaching the precious gospel of how we get to heaven and he gets killed by the very people that he's trying to help that's really a sad thing about the church of believers here in, in our world if you think about it as Christians we possess the one antidote to death they we're the only ones that have the answer to graves for people and that's through the knowledge of Christ, our Savior, who promises those who believe in him, because I live, you shall live also. And, and yet the irony is that the world can't stand the church, hates the church, hates you as a member of the church, because you possess this. How sadly ironic. The one thing, the one thing that can get people into heaven someday, and the world rages against it. The world can't stand it and hates it and hates people who possess it and tries to crush them. The holy Christian church in this world is the one institution that has the answer to defeat death and the grave. But Jesus tells us when you're part of that holy Christian church by faith in him, he says, he who is not for me is against me. And that's not just about him, that's you as well. He's the head, you're the body. And whoever is against the head, Christ, is also against the body, and that is those who belong to him. Now, I hope and pray none of us ever have to face the kind of, the, the kind of abuse and persecution that we, have, that we see here with Stephen in our text. And yet it's still very real and very around us, maybe in different ways. I think for our generation, the issue is really more psychological. It's kind of a pressure that we feel from the culture around us. Let me give you two quick examples of that. Not too many years ago when I was a pastor, a lady from my church came in to talk to me, and her daughter was attending a local public high school. And a sociology teacher one day decided to pick out a moral issue on which there might be diverse opinions, pick out a moral issue, and have the students stand in three groups in the front of the classroom. 
those who were very in favor of something that would clearly be against the Bible, then those who were opposed to that based on what the Bible would say, and then a middle group of people that were undecided. This mother told me that her daughter was the only one standing on one side. And everybody else, out of about 30 students, most of them were way over on one corner, and there were about, there were about eight or nine in the middle. But this is what was interesting. After class, a number of those in that middle group came and said to the Christian girl in the corner, I wanted to come and stand with you, but I just felt like I couldn't. That's the pressure. That's the pressure our culture puts on the church of God, on believers. And it's relentless, and it's getting ramped up year after year. A few years ago, following one of my Romans religion classes, and we had talked that day about persecution, and students offered examples of, of little things, tiny little things in their life that they had witnessed, and, and a student came up to me, I remember, and he started to tear up in his eyes, and he said, how is our generation going to get through this? How is our generation going to get through this? And that's the, that's the fear and the, the intensity that he was feeling from the culture. But despite pressures that we face, none of them that we've faced so far, any of us, I'm guessing, have come to the level of Stephen, where it actually takes his life. And we might actually have a different problem. There might be a different type of persecution that we need to be concerned about. And that is freedom. Freedom of religion. And the fact that we've had it in our lives and around us so much, the fact that we've grown up with it, probably had it in our schooling system and brought to church frequently, the real danger of persecution might be an internal one from inside myself. This stuff doesn't matter anymore. I don't care about this stuff anymore. I can always come back to it when I'm in my 70s or 80s. Talk to missionaries who do work in mission fields where there's real persecution going on, where people actually lose their lives over the gospel. And they will tell you that none of them that they're serving, none of the Christians there feel unenergetic about their faith. They never feel lethargic about their love for Christ. Notice the strength of the love for Christ that God has put in the heart of Stephen. Even during the time that he's getting put to death by the people that are stoning him, he starts praying for them. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The very ones who are killing them, he's praying on their behalf. Reminds us of Jesus, of course, on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now think of the, the strange paradox here. And what this does is this shows the power of the gospel. It shows the strength of the love that comes to us through the gospel. Okay? Stephen's own personal longings for heaven, based upon what Christ has done for him, the very thing for which he's being stoned for, such a terrible way to die, it still dictates to his heart a love for the murderers that are killing him. Talk about a strong love. If you are a believer in Christ, you are connected to a, a love that is deeper and richer than anybody will ever know in this world. And it's a love that not only comes through Christ, it comes through those who believe in him. That they even love and pray for the people who hate the church. At the time, on the, in the very early church in the second century, there was an old pastor named Eusebius. He was 86 years old when he died. And uh, he was brought before a governor and put on trial for his faith. And the governor said to him, he took out a little bit of, 
of green and put it in his hand. And he said, if you put this in your hand and put it in front of an altar, and if you express a hatred for this Jesus Christ, I will let you go free. And Polycarp denied the hand of green. And he said, if you wish to study the Christian doctrine, choose the day and you will hear it. Even, even at this moment, the guy that's putting him to death, and just hours later, they ran a sword through him. He's still expressing a desire, an evangelistic desire to proclaim the wonders of God, even in that situation. So this is the love of Christ that once it touches the heart and grabs the heart and causes us to realize what a tremendous gift that we have, you just can't keep the church quiet. In my local congregation, we frequently pray in the prayer of the church, open the door of faith unto all unbelievers and to the people of Israel. We pray for those that, that have not even yet come to faith in the Savior. When we hear stories like this and when we hear stories of persecution around the world, may it wake up in us a, a renewed zeal for our faith, a renewed enthusiasm, a proper enthusiasm that, that loves Christ and his means of grace and redirect our hearts toward what really matters in life and the home that God has waiting for us through the work of his Son. Amen.